0: American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. History for, history, history for jerks. Samantha, that's a hickey. Stranger came in and slit his throat. Blood and blood. Terrible mess. I was covered in blood. Covered in blood. I in blood, the blood. people have boners, and blood. Covered
1: in blood. Covered in blood.
0: Of decomposition was obvious upon driving into the property. So that's probably
1: comfort comfort and blood. You can get, get in the into the
0: bathroom. What did he do? He, can, he shot on the bed.
1: He shot on the bed. He
0: shot on the bed.
1: Roadhouse is the best movie I've ever seen.
0: Oh, my God. I've
1: finally seen it all.
0: I can't believe you spent one of your precious <laughs> days off watching Roadhouse.
1: No, I, it's, I've it's i been watching it for several days, like oh just geez. bits of it here and there. I like to watch movies in real time. So, like, if a day has gone by in a <laughs> in movie, movie, I stop it, and then I go back to it the next day so that I so live have, the movie.
0: So some you've got several movies in, in the... There's a lot You're of movies. In the middle in the can- of yeah,
1: any movie that goes over a ten year, years at of time. Yeah, you've, you've like I'm watching. waiting. I'm putting my calendar when to watch it again. The next scene. <laughs> just <laughs> a so that great my, idea. Just so that my memory is the same as theirs. But Roadhouse, that's a good movie. That's a really strong plot. Mm-hmm. There seems to be no rules or laws that apply to Patrick Swayze in that movie. Yeah. murder is fine i guess <laughs> uh he can rip he's got this power that he can rip out somebody's throat with his hand whoa yeah patrick Swayze can do that
0: and he's a Swayze. he's a
1: bouncer it's it's all about a he used bouncer. To be
0: such a heartthrob yeah i was never a patrick Swayze fan
1: yeah i don't uh yeah he he woos a doctor in roadhouse a, okay. a hot doctor likes him she likes doctor. a bouncer you know all those Dr. Bouncer relationship. Yes. Anyway, I saw Roadhouse.
0: Okay, what What are we going to talk about this today? This is
1: episode 96 Holy of American shit. Timelines. We're far away from 100. You know what happens when we get to 100?
0: Take your dick out. No.
1: Everybody who listens gets their junk out while they listen. <laughs> That's all that happens. That's all that happens. Yep.
0: Won't be any different than today.
1: Yep, our parents will listen to this with their junks out. All right. We're on
0: 1966.
1: We are on 1966, and we left off in the middle of August. Okay. 1966, because I suddenly realized after 96 episodes, 95 episodes, whatever it is, that who cares when we end? Nobody cares. Nobody
0: gives a shit. Nobody gives
1: a shit about anything anymore. There's no laws. There's There's no no rules anymore. It's anarchy. And so welcome to Anarchy American Anarchy Timelines. Mm -hmm. And so... I kind of hinted at August 24th of 1966 would be the day that The Doors record their self-titled debut LP. That's right. The Doors.
0: Right. It features many storm. of the group's
1: most famous compositions, including Light My Fire, mm-hmm. Break On Through, yep. and The End. In 1969, Morrison stated, Every time I hear the end, it means something else to me. Oh,
0: God. Stop it's with st- the accent. <laughs> That's exactly how he sounds. No.
1: I'm just talking. That's how I talk. All right. I'll try to do it his just voice.
0: Just do it normal.
1: Every time I hear the end, it means something else to me. It started out as a simple goodbye song, probably just to a girl. But I see how it could be a goodbye to a kind of childhood. I really don't know. I think it's sufficiently complex and universal, and it's a bad imagery that it could be almost anything you want it to be. One time, I tried to suck my own dick.
0: That's not what he said.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> kidding, that last sentence he didn't this say. This is
0: the end, my only friend, the end. I used to listen to The Doors all the time.
1: And that's when you were on drugs.
0: Yep, that's true.
1: Yeah. The only time I ever listened to Doors when I really got into weed, like when I first started drinking, mm-hmm. like smoking weed. And that movie, that Doors movie came out. Yes, I remember. My, my friends would just smoke a bunch of pot and watch the Doors movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I never knew what was happening. I never understood it. Val like, well,
0: Kilmer was pretty good in that movie. I mean, he really embodied Jim Morrison. I don't
1: remember. I just know that every time I watched it, I was stoned up my Jeez. gourd. scored. And I had no idea what was even happening.
0: Oh, my and every, God. And it would to
1: be a new scene. i like, oh, what's happening now? Are we watching a movie? Where am I? Oh, Lord. But I wasn't very good at smoking weed. Okay. And then on uh, that was a Wednesday. And then on uh, Monday, August 29th, 1969, the Beatles play their very last concert at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, California. Okay. E- wow. Wow hullabaloo airs its last episode on nbc i've never heard of that hullabaloo yep it it was a rerun with guest star elvis presley which previously aired in april that year but just so you know hullabaloo was on at the same time but according to the beatles bible although the beatles made an unannounced live appearance in january 69 on the rooftop of the apple building you know Mm -hmm. that live uh their final live concert took place on August ninth, 1966, at Candlestick Park, there was a big, there was big talk at Candlestick Park that this had got to end, and that the San Francisco gig, it seemed, that this could possibly be the last time, but I never felt 100% certain till we got back to London. John wanted to give up more than the others. He said that he'd had enough, says Ringo Starr. Okay. The park's capacity was 42,500, but only 25,000 tickets were sold leaving large sections of unsold seats. Why, I wonder. Because of the Jesus thing.
0: Oh, I really? Think, probably.
1: Fans paid between $4.50 and $6.50 for tickets. And the Beatles' fee was around $90,000. Whoa,
0: back then, that's a lot. That's a lot back then. That's but like the $5 million dollars today. The tickets
1: are cheap as hell, though. The show's promoter was local company Tempo Productions.
0: Who cares? Who the show's promoter was.
1: Well, because the Beatles took 65% of the gross, the city of San Francisco took 15% of paid admissions and were given 50 free tickets. This arrangement, coupled with low ticket sales and other unexpected expenses, resulted in financial loss for Tempo Productions. Okay. You were upset by that. (laughs) And that brings us to Tuesday, August 30th, 19 CXD CX yeah CXD CX. <laughs> it was the tight pants strike of 1966. Say okay. also the Battle of the Bulge in 1966. 35 year old Pat Morris was working at. This is according to weirduniverse.net, dot net. In 1966, 35 year old Pat Morris mm-hmm. was working at International Papers Plywood Plant in Oregon when management suspended her on account of her tight-fitting pants, Oh boy! complaining that they were too distracting from male workers. Morris protested that other female workers were also wearing tight jeans. Nevertheless, according to her, they said something about being too stacked and sent me home. Almost every paper in the country felt obliged to report that her measurements were 39-27-39.
0: Oh, God, it's so fucking... Patriarchal.
1: Even though she wasn't in the union, the three fifteen union members at the plant promptly went on strike in protest, claiming that the suspension was illegal.
0: Mm-hmm. The strike
1: lasted a week until Morris was allowed back to her job wearing looser jeans.
0: Oh, jeez!
1: They have pictures of her, and it's nothing compared to what people
0: wear now. I'm sure. That's so awful. Yeah. Because men can't control themselves.
1: Yeah, right, because they can't. They get boners. Yeah, it's her fault. And they basically said, the other ladies in the office aren't as attractive, so it's fine. Right. You are, can't wear it.
0: That's pretty funny.
1: Sorry that that happened. I'm sorry for all men. I know. You've I'm apologizing. You've got a lot of
0: apologizing to do.
1: Yeah, but every time I apologize, yeah. one woman gets her period
0: no, or something. I don't Gets her it's...
1: wings, always with wings. No, a an angel gets its period. No, that's not. I'm trying to do a feminist thing here. I
0: know you are, but it's not working. Every time
1: I apologize on behalf of all men, a woman gets her libido? No. She gets a right to vote? No. They already have that. What do they want? What do you want? What do you want?
0: I want lots of things. You want
1: to be supreme rulers?
0: No. You want a planet of all women? Maybe for a while. It would probably be nice for a while just to see the difference.
1: have male slavery?
0: No, but like have everything run by women, just to see.
1: What about men's suffrage?
0: Men aren't suffering.
1: You what? Well, what about men having to earn their suffrage?
0: I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure what you're talking it about. It doesn't make any sense, but what if men Good.
1: just can't vote for a while?
0: Yeah, they'd work. Just for a while.
1: For the same amount of time women couldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's do it.
1: And then men get paid less.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: And then men have to bleed out of their crotch once a month.
0: And women, like... Say awful things to men all the time and grab their butts and stuff. I think,
1: but men would like that. That's know, the problem. The they wouldn't part. be hurt by it. That's the problem.
0: They would if it was a power situation and the woman was.
1: Maybe they would.
0: Because the, cause it's that feeling of. Men
1: want that so bad, though. like.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Not if the woman is like.
1: Yeah, maybe yeah. if she's gross and yeah. like has power, like you said,
0: mm-hmm. it would be different. Yep. All right. What's next?
1: Um, oh, then women became perfectly equal and there were no more nope. problems. And racism nope. ended. Racism and sexism all ended. I wish. On September 1st, 1966. hmm That brings us to a story you have. Oh, yeah. The same day that basketball player Tim Hardaway is born.
0: Yes. And I also
1: am- KIFW, TV Channel 13 in Sitka, Alaska, CBS starts broadcasting
0: are you autistic <laughs> <laughs> yes all right the I'm... same day the KTNL tv <laughs>
1: channel 13 cbs in sitka alaska starts broadcasting with high definition audio in
0: the, in the weeks to come yes. okay i'm gonna tell the story of the black monk of pontifrac
1: the say what what
0: did you even just say the black monk of pontifrac you'll, the you'll black see.
1: monk of pontifrac
0: yes Pontefract. Pontefract.
1: I want some Pontefract. I want to get some. So the year nineteen
0: sixty-six.
1: Yeah, well, that's what we're talking about. A
0: family consisting of Jean and Joe Pritchard and their two children, Philip fifteen and Diane twelve.
1: Oh, Philip, Diane, Jean, and Joe. What a nice family.
0: They moved into a quiet house on Thirty East Drive in Pontefract, West Yorkshire, oh. England.
1: Oh, Pontefract is a town.
0: Yes, and this is I got What's from Yorkshire.
1: That's the town, West Yorkshire, England. Pontefract is a neighborhood. I guess.
0: Um I don't get it. I got this from mysteriousuniverse.com.
1: Mysterious. You mysterious uh, uni- so shout out to weirduniverse.net, I think is what mine was yeah. and weird what mysteriousuniverse.com. Mysterious universe. Mysteriousuniverse.com. If you only knew how to spell mysterious, you could check out the website.
0: So, it wasn't long after they settled into that s- inn that strange things began to happen around the home. Okay. Starting Rather innocently enough, the first main incident started on September 1st, 1966.
1: Yeah, the same day that Tim Hardaway was born. His son. In, uh, now KTNL, TV channel 13 in Sitka, Alaska, starts broadcasting.
0: So, um, son. There we go. Son Philip. Son Philip was staying at home with his grandmother, Sarah Scholes.
1: Oh, Sarah Scholes, y'all. While I bet the, she's a lugger.
0: Well, the rest of the family was away on a trip to Devon. One day, they felt a strange gust of cold wind pass through, despite the summer heat.
1: Okay, it's hot out in the summertime in London. Yes, but a cool breeze comes through the house.
0: And then they witness what seems to be white powder—just
1: the grandma or
0: mist—snowing down from the ceiling. And there's sounds of footsteps above, in the on the floor above.
1: What in the house? Yeah, during the
0: day. Yeah, and then they go to investigate. Along with Shoals' sister Mary Kelly. And Another were, old lady. Yeah. And then they saw they found these pools of water spreading on the floor of the kitchen, like inexplicably appearing and spreading on the floors in the kitchen.
1: Now that is impossible.
0: And then and while that's going on, the bumping is still going on from the floor above. And then dust so, is coming down still from the ceiling.
1: What? These are odd occurrences.
0: So at the time, they thought it was maybe a broken pipe or something.
1: Okay, because water coming up off from somewhere at yeah. the bottom, and then a pump, the bumping would be like something's happening, bursting. Probably. So okay. they
0: called a the repairman.
1: hmm. Repairman?
0: But he, ex- he looks at it and, and couldn't find anything wrong. Okay. So he couldn't figure out where the water could be coming from. And he saw it. He witnessed it as well. Okay. So it's really happening. It's true. Yes. And they would eventually stop. But um, everybody was just baffled. Couldn't figure out what was going on. So later that same evening, the pools came back again from nowhere. And this time, it was joined by a violent, jolting rattling of all the cutlery and the pots and pans Uh around the kitchen.
1: Say what?
0: And then also the whole area, they had a tea kettle and the whole area was sprayed with tea because the, something was pressing on the depression, like the, the button on the tea kettle and it was spraying tea all over the kitchen.
1: What? Now I'm starting to not believe it. Everything else seemed believable. Then,
0: then everything was followed by a thunderous bang from out the outside hallway and okay. so then, when they looked to see, there was nothing there, even though the hallway lights, right as they went to look, the hallway lights started to blink on and off.
1: Really? Yes. This is getting me out of hand.
0: And then they also noticed that a plant that was normally positioned at the foot of the stairs was at the top of the stairs, and neither of them had moved it.
1: So this ghost can move tea, shoot tea, move plants, and create water.
0: Oh, so, um, they. This stuff's going on. Then it would die down, and then um, a heavy chest of drawers began to sway. What would you later do? What night. would you
1: do if this was happening? Would you just I don't know sit around and let it happen, or would you go about your business, or would you like run away?
0: Well, they once the chest of drawers started to sway and like, yeah. creak, like it was going to tip over. They Philip and Grandma packed some stuff and headed to a neighbor's house for they the said, night. Let's
1: get the f out of here because something's going on.
0: Um, and so then by the time the rest of the family returned from their trip, everything seemed to have stopped. And at the time, they all thought that had, there had to be something, some explanation, some normal
1: maybe thing. Maybe like some chemicals like Grandma and Philip and the sister were all hallucinating maybe? Maybe
0: something. So it would be another two years before anything else out of the ordinary would happen.
1: And you would have forgotten by two years. Like, what? Not yeah. It was a
0: weird day. So... All of a sudden, again, two years later,
1: all of a sudden, two years later,
0: the pools of water start forming again on the house. That's weird. Furniture started moving and rattling on its own, and there was odd green foam seeping out of water taps.
1: This is all according to the Yeah. grandma no, aunt, it's, and is corroborated by Phil? By
0: neighbors, but there was a neighbor that, 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 that saw it. That also saw this yet? Yeah. And And then there was all these loud thuds and bangs sounding from all over the house. And doors would slam open or shut by themselves. And um, then also like... seems like a ghost. Family portraits were slashed and like removed off the walls and stuff. And there was all these bad odors also coming from the house. Those could have been farts. And also noises the included only thing heavy farts. breathing. Farts
1: also make noise. and Breathing, sometimes after you fart, you breathe. And out. also so the sound are... of
0: barnyard animals sometimes.
1: Okay, that's... Unless they're in a barnyard. Right, they're or not. a farm. They're not. Barnyard so animals doesn't make as much sense as the farts.
0: This do. stuff started happening kind of every day. They start living with it.
1: With all the things, the barnyard animals yeah, and all the, the farts. different
0: things that were going on, and, and they, they started calling this entity Fred, kind of making trying to make it like make light, light of, of it. it. Huh. So everything started to grow in intensity, and things were being smashed and broken. Objects flying across the room, even in the presence of guests.
1: What other people are seeing this? Yes, and this whenever, whenever really people in would, how come I'm just hearing about this now?
0: And, and whenever people would come over, the phenomena seemed to actually get worse and more violent. And this even happened in the presence of a local police officer and the town vicar.
1: The town vicar?
0: Yes. Leaving Something everyone like dumbfounded and authorities unable to find any rational explanation. Oh, stop your, stop your accent. <laughs> I hate your accent. In particular, the little girl, Diane, the 12-year-old, seemed to be the target. Well, she would wake up to the sound of heavy breathing or undefined voices in her ears
1: I'll just say this. And she was sometimes physically assaulted by oh, never
0: the entity, like pushed. She would have her oh. hair pulled. Oh, that's not She nice. was dragged across the room.
1: I was about to say, now I feel bad. I was thinking 12-year-old girls can really be jerks. They kind of deserve it, but they don't deserve that kind of treatment. No.
0: So Nobody does. the phenomena seemed to work in cycles. There would be yep. times when it would happen on a daily basis, and there would be long absences, and yep. then it would come back again. Um, okay. So the Pritchard family reached out to the church for help. And there yeah. were several exorcisms yeah, performed on the house. At this
1: point, you got to go to the church because you got to get that guy who says the power of Christ compels you.
0: That's right. But it didn't, it just made it angrier. It so they actually, so
1: churches in London were doing they were, active exorcisms.
0: They ex- yes, they exercised the house. Like
1: you could call a church and they would just come. They, and you do can that. do that now. You can?
0: Yeah, it's very rare. But they'll, they still do perform exorcisms.
1: Just in London? No. Just
0: you... Catholic, Roman Catholic Church still performs exorcisms. No. Yes. It's rare, but they do.
1: How, where are you basing this knowledge off of?
0: Well, I, all of my collective knowledge of everything dark and unseemly.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if I can continue this relationship.
0: All right. Anyway.
1: All right. All right.
0: Um, so the crucifixes would be knocked out of the hands of the priests and I think, uh, the smashed. The plural for
1: crucifix is crucify.
0: And then they also found inverted crosses painted and scrawled on the walls in red or black ink, but hmm. neither of those were kept in the house.
1: Nobody kept red or black ink in the not house. Not in his
0: house. In one particularly frightening incident, an invisible force picked up a candlestick and held it in front of the priest's face. Yeah. And that sent him running out of the house. He oh, just
1: ran, he, that priest just ran out, scared, not performing an exorcism.
0: Yep, he was done. So now the, the spirit began to show itself as an apparition.
1: Oh, it did. Um, uh-huh. This is real believable.
0: At first, it would be Gene and Joe waking in the middle of the night to see a dark shape standing at the foot of the bed, staring at them. Oh, who that's would then creepy. just like blink out of existence right when they woke up fully.
1: Yikes! I don't know if
0: I'd. Wouldn't that be able to scare to the sleep? shit out of? Can you imagine? Um, on another occasion, Joe claimed to have woken to see a figure in flowing black robes hovering over the bed.
1: That's crazy, but I think the craziest thing is just thinking. Every time they see these things, all they're saying is
0: "Crikey," because no, they're because they're British. That's Australian.
1: Oh, it is. Crikey is Australian. Yeah, dummy. Oh well, then they just say, uh, "What do they say?" I don't know. Uh, by Jove! <laughs> by by <laughs> J- Not what British they they say. Uh,
0: uh, I don't know. All right. Pip pip cheerio! No. Oh, that, pip pip cheerio! No, that's true. So, they also some yell something. What do British people yell? They, de- they, they described the entity dressed in black robes with a hood covering his face, not unlike what a medieval uh. monk might wear, and Ooh. which would earn the earn him the nickname the Black Monk.
1: The Black Monk of? Pontefract. Oh, Pontefract.
0: So before long, he was seen lurking about by everyone in the family and was even claimed to have been spotted prowling the property by neighbors and other locals. So
1: they stopped calling him Fred at this point?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if they are calling, they might still be calling him Fred, but it became known as the Black Monk. So then sometimes... um, Why is he fucking with this family? I don't know. But it still had to, it still seemed like Diane was the target. Because the 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 attacks started to grow worse and worse. And she would sometimes wake up with scratches and bruises on her body or completely thrown from her bed. And on at least one occasion, she was choked and slapped abro- around by an unseen force in full view of Sheesh. witnesses.
1: Wouldn't you move? Wouldn't you? Because you go anywhere yeah. else, and it doesn't happen. I why wouldn't it. you move?
0: The family had paranormal investigators called in. Okay. And some in- interesting things were found out on the history of the land the house sat on. Okay. For instance, investigators found that not only had the area once been the site of a battle... But also, it had once been used as the town gallows.
1: I think they pronounce "battle" and, and gallows. And
0: hundreds of people had been executed there. Oh! In particular, well. there was supposedly a Cluniac monk who had met his end by hanging after being found guilty of raping and killing a young girl around Diane's age back in the 16th century. And that's who the investigators, the paranormal investigators, thought was haunting the home. Okay,
1: I guess you would come to that conclusion if you really could dig up that history. Because that history is written somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. So despite all the intense paranormal
0: activity, it would all one day suddenly cease just as abruptly as it had started.
1: Sure. And they,
0: the family, just kept waiting for the black monk to come back. Yeah, but it was completely quiet for no apparent reason, okay. as if he just got bored and stopped.
1: Totally believe the whole story.
0: And eventually, they would move out, and the house would go on to be a popular destination for paranormal investigators. Eh, of course. Make several of money. whom would apparently uncover the fact that indeed the black monk was still around.
1: No, yeah, of course.
0: And as active it as ever. Sure. And there was a, there was paranormal lockdown. The show went and stayed that's there. That's a show? There's yeah. a show called Paranormal Lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> I bet yeah. that's a great show. Paranormal Lockdown! Yeah, that's exactly how they say it, too. Um, So they,
1: yeah, they... Shout out to Paranormal Lockdown, y'all. That's also the name of my band. Paranormal
0: Lockdown, motherfucker.
1: Now, who, what, could you, could we do a quick, where are they now with this family? Like, where are they at? Well, the to?
0: house, um...
1: The kid, like the kids are growing up now. What are they? Can we get in touch with them? You think just to have them admit, yeah, none of this happened. It was bullshit. The
0: house itself was purchased. It was? By a man named Philip Pritchard and later sold oh. to the British advertiser and film producer Bill Bungay. Oh, Bill, Bill <laughs> Bungay, y'all. His last name's Bungay.
1: Bungay. I love that name. Bill Bungay, y'all. He
0: turned it into a sort of macabre tourist destination.
1: Okay, I love the word macabre.
0: He would later have. They have the story made into a 2012 horror film called When the Lights Go Out.
1: Oh, but that's a great movie.
0: And the film crew apparently had quite a few paranormal experiences making the movie. It did. Which was supposedly partly filmed on the location. Ooh. And to this day has remained a hot spot for debate, discussion, and investigation. But whatever is going on here, be it yeah. expansive hoax or very angry and vehement spirit, the case has never been solved. Yep. That's the story of the Black Monk. Sounds like a Hunt hoax. A
1: I think it's a hoax, just like this whole impeachment thing is a hoax. Oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, it's a hoax. I don't think it's this. I don't know. It just doesn't ring true to me. Do you, does it to you? I think it's all bullshit. I think we. No, to... there's
0: been times. Now I have a question for you because there have been no, other here's hauntings. Here's a question for me. That I've talked about that yeah. you have been sold hook, line, and sinker on. Yeah, this one is, like just the, is you... too
1: outrageous. Oh. Well, like the, now, how is it ones, any different? All the ones you've said about the ones where people are throwing plates and f- turds, the one that had a floating turd—I didn't believe that either because it's not. Gonna I thought you probably
0: were into that one. I don't think so.
1: Maybe I was. I'll have to go back and listen. But I think when it's all that kind of stuff, I think they're just like, eh, "That's fantastical!" I don't believe any of that. Why who do they, you think? Hey, why aren't there videos of anything like that then? Mm. Boom! Caught you! Caught you! Maybe there are. I saw Ghostbusters once. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, what's next? Uh,
1: Next on the agenda, that brings us to September 8th, 1966, the day that the classic science fiction series Star Trek premieres on NBC. Oh. Are you familiar?
0: I am a little. It used to be on when I was little on TV, and I kind of would, as I ran through the room, it would be on. Yeah. But I never stopped and watched it, really.
1: Have you ever tried to watch it?
0: I, when I was young, when I was a little kid, I tried and I didn't care for it. Boring as fuck. It right? was really boring. Did you ever
1: try to watch it as an adult or later? Uh-uh. It's still boring as fuck. <laughs> I, I've tried. I was like, yeah. God, I keep falling asleep.
0: Like, why? Who cares?
1: Um, like, they really found a way to make space exploration boring. Boring as, as fuck. fuck. I yeah. can't figure out why. But stars, uh, Star Trek's Nielsen ratings on uh, Star Trek listeners, anybody who loves Star Trek is going to hate it.
0: They're going to be pissed.
1: Their ratings while on NBC were low. And the network canceled it after three seasons and seventy-nine episodes. Uh, several years later, the series became a hit in broadcast syndication, remaining so throughout the seventies, achieving cult classic status. I remember when I worked at influence on pop culture.
0: I remember when I worked at the movie theater when I was like sixteen? There yeah. was um, one of those movies came out. I don't remember which one. They're all the same to me. Mm-hmm. And some guy, I was selling tickets, and some guy came up and. He, he asked for a ticket for it, and I um, I gave it to him. And he went, "Hurry up! I'm a Trekkie, and I can't miss none of it." <laughs> <laughs> <Did> <laughs> I don't know why that just sticks in my head. <laughs> uh,
1: I totally thought you were going to say something to him like, "Oh, here's your ticket for Star Wars." And like, no,
0: I didn't. That. But I you just, know, for some reason, that sticks in my head.
1: Hurry up! I'm a Trekkie, and I can't. I
0: can't miss it. none of it. No, way he said it, it was so weird.
1: Um, I will say, I did my family dragged me my dad loves star trek
0: oh you had to see sam in the theater
1: yeah so we saw the the movies are better i think than the show, show. like the show my dad would watch all the time yeah i always be like what is happening it's so boring yeah <laughs> like nothing ever happens yeah. like they're just talking
0: with that weird sound in the background of the all the machinery yeah
1: yep, <laughs>
0: yep. scotty let's yep
1: Set a course for the Green Lady system. With uh, I will seduce a hot alien. I don't even know. Yeah. And then Spock was just doesn't uh, compute, Captain. I don't know. It's really boring. Mm, let's see. What should we do now? Here are the coordinates. Like wh- yeah. what? Yeah. Uh,
0: All right. What's next?
1: Oh, but I went and saw the movies sometimes with my dad. My dad would love it. He'd make us go to see the movies, and sometimes mm-hmm. the movies were actually not so bad. They were seemed to be really? more. Yeah, some of the aliens seemed better. I don't know what it was, but they weren't as bad. Like I kind of enjoyed them. Okay. You know, you know the characters. Like the Wrath of Khan, I think, is the one I remember seeing in the theater. Oh, okay. It was a pretty yeah. good movie, I thought. That's because
0: Ricardo Montalban. And there's little
1: jokes and so, yeah, Ricardo Montalban's great. And there was little like jokes and funny innuendo and stuff and. más macho? S- they showed Spot's Fernando Lamas or
0: Ricardo Montalban.
1: You have to mention that anytime we talk about Ricardo Montalban.
0: ¿Quieres más macho, señor Lamas o Montalban?
1: It wasn't Ricardo Montalban.
0: Yeah. Was. It was Fernando Lamas. Ooh, Ricardo Montalbond. Oh, I
1: guess it was. Anyway, they show Spock's dick in the movies. What? Yeah, a bunch of... No, he's, they do not. He's You're got four, lying. He's got four dicks. No, they not And nine balls. Why scrotums. did I believe that for a second? Yeah, <laughs> four dicks and nine scrotums. Anyway, uh, the original, I was going to tell you that the ori- Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. Yes. His original concept, the protagonist was Captain Robert April of the starship SS Yorktown. And the yeah. character was then developed into Captain Christopher Pike, first portrayed by Jeffrey Hunter.
0: God, this is just as boring as the show. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Anyway, it wasn't originally. Nobody cares. And remember, I, what we talked about at one point that they made the original pilot, and then they made a new pilot, and it was only Spock was the only character they brought back. Oh. Um. But it, it wasn't popular at, first, at the beginning. And then September 12th, 1966, the Monkees television series premiered on NBC. Yeah, I used to watch that. Now, did you know, I was not never clear on this. I remember it being on. Yeah. Like in reruns and stuff. And you stuff. didn't know
0: whether they were the actors first or the yeah, band that's first. that's what I've always wondered. Right. Do you know? I think they were a band first.
1: See, that's what I assumed, too. I, th- I thought it was like the, like the Beatles. Like They're yeah. a band and then they make a show. They became a show. That is not true. Oh, it was, they came up with an idea for the sitcom, kind of based on the Beatles' success and stuff. And Yeah, there's four- such rip-offs of the Beatles. Yeah, so 400 people auditioned to be the Monkees. Uh, wait, it first aired on NBC and in, uh, in... Yes? In two long series. What does that mean?
0: I don't know. I didn't write it. The
1: series... Had- Uh, follow the adventures of four young men, the Monkees, trying to make a name for themselves as a rock and roll band. The show introduced a number of innovative new wave film techniques uh, to series television and won two Emmy Awards in 1967, including outstanding comedy series. But 400 people, so they came up with the idea, and then they had four people audition to be the Monkees. 400 people auditioned. And here are the the people that made it. Mickey Dolan's was the son of screen actor George Dolans. Yeah. had prior screen experience under the name Mickey Braddock as the 10-year-old star of the Circus Boy series in the 1950s. Really? He was actively auditioning for pilots at the time and was told about the project by his agent. Okay. So I I meant to look up the Circus Boy Mm -hmm. and see if we can recognize him.
0: Oh, right. But I
1: didn't. So go ahead and you do that research, time heads. (laughs) Uh, And then Englishman Davy Jones was a former jockey who would achieve some some initial success on the musical stage, appearing with the cast of Oliver on The Ed Sullivan Show, the night of the Beatles' live American debut. Oh, wow. He was appearing in Columbia Pictures Productions and recorded for the Colpricks record label and had been identified in advance as a potential star for the series. Oh, yeah. And then Texan Michael Nesmith's mother, Betty Nesmith... Graham. I know.
0: I know. She invented the post it note.
1: invented Nope.
0: Oh, invented something. She Velcro. Had, no, super glue. Nope. No. Damn it. What was it?
1: Porn hub.
0: No, it was not. Yep. And you it, asshole. The,
1: and the first couple of videos were just pictures of her asshole.
0: No, you were such an <laughs> asshole.
1: No. She invented a correction fluid.
0: Oh, she invented whiteout. white That's out. That's
1: right. Yeah, Liquid paper. I knew there was not something. Not white out, liquid paper. Oh, yeah. He had served a brief stint in the U.S. Air Force and had also recorded for Colpricks
0: mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it's Cole Picks. Sorry. <laughs> I Jeez. Can't see where he got. Uh Under the name Michael Blessing. He was the only one of the monkeys who had come for the audition based on seeing the Trade Magazine ad. He showed up to the audition with his laundry and impressed Raffles and Schneider with his laid back style and droll sense of humor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He also wore a woolen hat to keep his hair out of his eyes when he rode his motorcycle leading to an early promotional material which nicknamed him wool hat the hat remained uh, remained the hat remained part of Nesmith's wardrobe yep but the name was dropped after the pilot
0: that's good cuz that's a stupid name and
1: do you remember the last guy
0: Davy, Mike, Mickey and no, I don't remember the last guy <laughs> yeah, nobody does
1: no, I think they do but I I I don't think I could name all the monkeys at any given time. Peter Tork. Oh, that's right. He was recommended uh, by friend Stephen Stills at his audition. Yeah. Tork was a skilled multi-instrumentalist who had performed at various Greenwich Village Folk clubs before moving west, where he worked as a busboy. Oh. The series was filmed by Screen Gems. You know, they're the guys that did Three Stooges. Okay. And many of the same sets and props from Three Stooges were used in the monkeys. Huh. Uh, a pair of pajamas with a bunny design on the front that had been worn by Curly uh, were the same ones worn by Peter Tork. Oh, that's funny. In various episodes. Uh, and to re- also to reduce noise on the set during filming, any of the four monkeys who was not needed in front of the cameras was locked in a converted meat locker. What? Yes. And in DVD commentary, Torque noted that he his had the added benefit of concealing any marijuana use that might be going on.
0: Oh say.
1: And he said he was the biggest pot smoker of all.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Sweet. That's pretty sweet.
1: You like pot? Are you a pot advocate?
0: Yes. And then on, that brings us to
1: Sunday. Yeah. September eighteenth. 19 CXDCX.
0: Yes, I have two stories today.
1: Oh, and you got a story on uh, September 18th. 18th, 19. Yes. CXDCX, the same day <laughs> that Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea is on. Yep. Monster from the Inferno. Also, Lassie is on, and uh, Timmy puts peanut butter on his dick.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Come on now. Stop it. That's disgusting. No, no. That's it. That's it wasn't. Disgusting. He didn't do anything
1: else. He, he just put it on his dick. That's right. it.
0: <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about the murder of Valerie Percy.
1: Well, Timmy's a grown man, right?
0: What? Sorry. What? I'm going to talk about the murder of Valerie Percy. So, she was 21. She was murdered on September Who's
1: 19th. Valerie Percy?
0: She's a daughter of a congressman.
1: Oh, no. Yes. A daughter... Wait, she was murdered the same day that "It's About Time" was on. Yes, and "Bonanza" was on. Horse of a different hue.
0: That's right. So she was murdered, and she, uh, she was bludgeoned and stabbed to death in her in the home as her family slept.
1: What?
0: Over fifty years later, her murder remains unsolved. It's
1: unsolved. Another unsolved mystery. This yes, was a murder. The murder. Maybe it was that monk of whatever black, black monk Pontefract. Monk monk so she Montefract.
0: had. Um, in June of 1965, she oh, had June of
1: 1965, what? Mick Foley, when in the same month that Mick Foley, American professional wrestler Mick Foley was born in Bloomington, Indiana.
0: All right. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Sorry, I had to find wrestling.
0: She had earned a bachelor's degree from the Ivy League Cornell University. Oh,
1: Cornell's not something to spit at.
0: And she, re- she received a major in French literature. Oh, okay. You can't do much with that. She went and spent her junior year in Paris. Oh, fancy. She planned to return in the summer and help her father in his election campaign before Good. starting her he master's in, of art and teaching at John Hopkins University. Yeah,
1: because you can't, yeah, French literature degree. French literature. You can't do anything but teach.
0: So she arrived home from Paris the summer of 1966.
1: Okay. Must be nice to just gallivant in Paris.
0: Almost immediately, she began to help her father, Charles harding percy and he, charles
1: harding percy was, was his the, name
0: yes he was a republican
1: a republican he had congressman pre- previously
0: made a run to become governor of illinois in 1964 but was defeated and he
1: just wanted to be called governor in
0: 1966 he was campaigning to be the senator of illinois
1: okay he wanted to be a senator okay. that's what it was
0: so um in september she along with stepmother lorraine on September 17th, yeah, they spent the evening entertaining Calvin Fentress and Tully Friedman. Calvin Fentress and Tully Friedman, you These are some rich motherfuckers. Calvin um, Calvin Fentress Friedman. and Friedman were key members of the campaign team for the Senate bid.
1: Fentress and Friedman, come here.
0: So over the course of dinner, the four of them discussed how they could win over more young voters. What were
1: they having for dinner? Caviar? Probably. Figures.
0: So at around 10 p.m. they left. Yeah. They said their goodbyes and everything, and she went upstairs to change into her PJs before she was gonna. She got into bed and watched TV.
1: PJs is short for pajamas.
0: At around eleven thirty.
1: And TV at this time was black and white. Was yes, is short and he for probably television. Had three channels. True. Or two channels, And around
0: 11.30 p.m., her twin sister, Sharon, came home from a date.
1: Oh, hot date, hot sexy date.
0: So she briefly went into her sister's room to return a coat.
1: And tell her all about the date.
0: And then went into her own room. Oh, okay. Then Charles returned to the family home, which was a massive three-story, 17-room Tudor-like mansion.
1: 17 rooms? Ain't nobody needs no 17 rooms.
0: It was in Kenilworth near Lake Michigan. Oh. And it was now around midnight. And only I'm... only Lorraine was up waiting for him. Seventeen
1: rooms.
0: Yep, man. His youngest son Mark was, who was eleven, was away at a sleepover.
1: Oh, Mark's just sleeping over wherever he wants. So
0: Charles, th- Charles' three daughters, Gail, Sharon, and Valerie, were all in their rooms. Gail,
1: G- Sharon, and Valerie, y'all. Another Which ones son? are twins? Gail and Sharon. Sh- no,
0: Sharon and Valerie. Oh. Um, another son, 19-year-old Roger, was away at university. Rog. So Charles and Lorraine stayed up and watched TV for an hour or so. And then about one thirty. by one thirty a.m., everyone was asleep. Okay. And around 5 a.m. that morning, Lorraine oh, was awoken by the sound of breaking glass.
1: Oh, here comes the action.
0: And then she heard a clicking sound, which she thought sounded like footsteps. Click, click,
1: but click. But for
0: whatever reason, she cl- chose... She, turn like rolled over and went back to sleep.
1: Oh here's it was kinda I'm like
0: those sounds t- that you you're not sure if you're dreaming them yeah, kind of thing.
1: Sometimes that happens. But
0: then she was awakened again, then she heard moaning.
1: Oh like sexual moaning? No. Like, oh
0: yeah. Stop it.
1: Or or like this. Like what kind of moaning?
0: I, I wasn't there.
1: Ah. So she
0: got up, went into the hallway and went to the bed Valerie's bedroom door and opened it and she sees a man standing over the bed what he like swiftly turns around and shines his flashlight in her eyes what? so she can't see huh and then she so she runs out of the room to, and set off the burglar alarm yeah and while doing this the intruder got out and left the premises
1: out the broken window or something. yeah
0: the sound of her cries and the alarm woke the other occupants of the house. Charles Percy hurriedly went to his daughter's room it turned on the light and was faced with a horrific scene. His 21-year-old daughter was covered in blood. Oh, no. And she was battling for her life. Uh. So he calls a neighbor named Robert Hoff, who was also a doctor. Hoff arrived at the Percy family home at around 5, 10 a.m.
1: Okay. and went to
0: examine Valerie. Moments later, he made his way downstairs to the living room and said... He couldn't do anything. She was, and she had passed away.
1: Oh, no. So,
0: closer examination showed she had been bludgeoned over the head with two vicious blows. <sighs> the exact weapon couldn't be identified, but it had left four cone-shaped indents on the, her skull.
1: Cone-shaped?
0: Yeah. She had also been stabbed repeatedly. There was a total of 11 stab wounds, six stab wounds on her face. Two Was on her this sl- the
1: girl that was on the date? What? What? Was this the one, the girl that's getting murdered, was she the one who was on the date or the other
0: one? No, the other one. Um, Six to her face, two to her stomach, two two on her chest and a final wound on her throat. (sighs)
1: So
0: it was It was vicious. Vicious overkill, almost.
1: Yeah, so it's got to be somebody who knows her.
0: Law enforcement quickly found how the intruder had entered the residence. He had entered through a patio. the patio. Yeah. They, he used a pair of glass cutters to remove a pane of glass from a French door, and then mm. unlocked the door and entered the house through the music room.
1: The music
0: room. So partial fingerprints were found on the French door. And you know, a we pane need a of,
1: music room.
0: I know. A pane of glass which had been removed from it. Five bloody palm prints leading down the staircase banister by the fleeing killer were also collected.
1: Yeah, so wouldn't that have DNA?
0: Well, this was in 1966, honey.
1: Yeah, but can't they save it and rerun it now? I don't know.
0: I don't know. Barefooted footprints were also located between the home and the family's private beach on Lake Michigan. Private beach? Yep. So Lorraine was questioned about the intruder she encountered. She described him as being around 5'8", weighing about, 160 pounds and he had dark hair that and,
1: describes me and, only it, add 50 pounds <laughs> the man
0: was also wearing a check shirt but unfortunately due to darkness and being blinded by the flashlight she couldn't give them any more description than that
1: oh that sucks
0: so after a thorough check of the property detectives found that nothing had seemingly been taken everyone they spoke to also seemed to point at valerie's having no enemies so this left them with this unanswered question: Who was? What was the motive behind the Something
1: murder? Something to do with this, this politician, probably.
0: So law enforcement thought that the killer would have wanted to get rid of the weapons as quickly as possible, and yeah. Lake Michigan was nearby. So they made just chuck they in searched there. the lake, but they couldn't find the glass cutter or the heavy object that huh. was used to assault her. There was a bayonet located, but there was nothing to suggest it was the murder weapon.
1: A bayonet.
0: Yeah. Investigators chose to focus on individuals who knew or had worked with the per- for the Percy family.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: One person of interest was a campaign worker who had been fired during the summer, but nothing uh. could link him to the murder. Uh. Uh, Calvin Fentress and Tele Friedman, uh, the men who dined it. with Valerie and Lorraine the previous evening, were also questioned. They did it. They also agreed to take polygraph tests. But Calvin Fentress' test came back inconclusive because he was so nervous.
1: Fentress did it.
0: Despite this, the police didn't consider either of them as possible suspects.
1: Sorry, your name is Fentress. You're a murderer.
0: It was announced that Charles Percy's campaign for Senate would be suspended until further notice.
1: Wait a minute. I take that back. Fentress might not let it. I don't want to get in trouble for libel.
0: As a mark of respect, his opponent, Senator Douglas, announced he too would halt his campaign. Oh, that's nice. you don't hear
1: about that happening a lot. Not
0: anymore. Charles Percy restarted his election campaign on October 4th, 1966, just over two weeks after his daughter's murder. Man. Just a few weeks later in November, he won the election and was elected to the U.S. Senate. This was considered an upset with many believing the sympathy vote was responsible. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. A poor guy lost his daughter. Got to vote for that guy.
0: So during that same period, detectives had followed up on over 500 leads and questioned nearly 400 people. Yeah. Unfortunately, the there same
1: were... amount of people that auditioned for the monkeys.
0: That's true. But they were no nearer identifying the man responsible. Over the following months, the number of officers working the case slowly decreased. March 1968, the investigation was officially no longer under full-time investigation. Despite this, over the following two years, the part-time investigation would yield over 1,000 suspects. Um, there are a few of note and I will take, let's note go them through now. them
1: and I will tell you which one did it for sure.
0: So four years after the murder in 1970, yeah. a prisoner named Harold James Evans named a former cellmate as the killer. Okay. That man's name was Frederick J. Malchow.
1: Same name as the black monk.
0: The Evans. Fred. Yeah. Evans said his fellow inmate told him that Valerie had awoken during a robbery, so he killed her. Unfortunately, there was a problem with getting Frederick Melchow's response to this. He was dead.
1: That guy was dead, huh?
0: So uh, while awaiting trial for rape and burglary in 1967, he had escaped. Yeah. And upon attempt to recapture him, he fell to his death. He died plunging from a railway bridge over the Skykill River. There are many that believe the account made by Evans is true. Yeah, it might be. There's no hard evidence ever found to connect Melchow to the murder. And his palm prints were not a match for those found at the murder scene. So why,
1: but if he was robbing, why would he be in her room? Well, I guess maybe he broke in that room.
0: So the, the other one is a woman a woman um, that came forward and named her ex-boyfriend as the killer. And his name was Francis Leroy Hoheimer. Uh, and it wasn't just the woman who pointed the finger at him. An acquaintance named Robert Stanfield claimed Hoheimer had informed him two weeks before the murder that he had cased the percy home and intended to rob it
1: francis hoheimer huh
0: he also reportedly told his brother in the days following her murder and and he said that um a job he had done had gone wrong Ooh. and they, that he had ki- led him killing someone
1: oh yeah i guess that's him then
0: the most prominent person to point the finger at hoheimer was leo rugendorf He was a member of a crime syndicate in Chicago. Leo
1: Rugendorf was? Yep.
0: Man. He went to public, to the press with his claims. He said that Hoheimer had confessed to him that he was responsible for the murder.
1: So that's it. Hoheimer did it.
0: Well, he was serving a 30-year prison sentence. But he says that he was a member of a gang of burglars who robbed the wealthy from 1965 to
1: 1967.
0: Oh. He pointed the finger initially at a fellow member of the gang, a man named Norman Jackson. Ah. But before detectives could interview Jackson, he was found dead.
1: Oh, he's dead. In,
0: in mysterious circumstances after Ooh. falling to his death from a building in Chicago.
1: Well, gang of burglars, huh? I didn't know they had gangs of burglars like that.
0: Um, So F- F- Hoheimer suddenly changed his story then. Yeah. He again points his finger at another gang member, Frederick Malchow, the same suspect named by Harold James Evans.
1: That was the first guy? The first guy. So he
0: says, um, well, his story is a little different than Evans' though. Evans had said that Malchow confessed in his cell. Yeah. But Hoheimer claims that Malchow, when the pair showed up at his apartment, along with Jackson, on the day of the murder, Malchow was covered in blood, and Hoheimer claimed he burnt Clothes belonging to Malchow. Uh, and, but his but Hoheimer's wife said that never happened. And as was the case so with Malchow, here. again, there's no physical evidence could be found to link Hoheimer to the murder. One his, of
1: the, yeah, but we know one of these groups did it. And so his palm prints
0: also it. didn't match the ones found in the Percy home. Oh, so then the whose didn't Hoheimer.
1: Hoheimer's didn't.
0: Okay, so here's the next suspect, William Thorson the third was named as a suspect in a book called Sympathy Vote. And the author Glenn Wall states um, that Thorson was first suspected by his probation officer in 1966. He writes that when police attempted to speak with William Thorson, he was uncooperative and unwilling to be interviewed. His father was the founder and president of Great Western Steel Company and was a very wealthy man. Yeah. The Thorson family home was located just a block away from the Percy estate. Uh-oh. At the time of the murder, William Thorson was no longer living at the family home and was in fact living in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, Glenn I- Wall claims in his book that he was, would frequently visit his family back in Kenilworth, so it's possible he was in the area at the time oh, of the murder. all right. Thorson had a history of erratic behavior, which included violence. In one incident, he allegedly tried to throw his mother from a second-story balcony. Oof. Another incident saw him break a waiter's arm as he felt he was overcharged 75 cents on his bill.
1: You know what? That waiter fucking deserved it.
0: <laughs> he had also committed numerous burglaries. The family at one point tried to have William committed due to his behavior, but was unsuccessful. Mm. William Thorson had also been suspected in the suicide of his brother Richard Oh in 1965. You say suicide.
1: Suicide. With, suicide yep. with bunny ears around your thing. Qu- around my things. things. Now, what's the...
0: Air, oh, quotes. air quotes. In 1965, the day before he was due to face trial for burglary charges, Richard was found dead in his car. What? This is uh, William Thorson's brother. Richard and William had been caught attempting to steal from their own father. So they
1: think William Thorson killed him.
0: Yeah, he had been shot behind his right ear. Although the scene looked like a suicide, the fact that Richard Thorson was left-handed made that questionable. So how? Tim, com- in my mind, would make that impossible. Oh, just put that anywhere, pal. What was it? Is your mouse?
1: Oh, fuck! Uh, I can't get it.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ!
1: Here's here's my question: Mm -hmm. How come this guy can just be uncooperative if they think he did it? Rich? Oh yeah, rich people don't have to. They don't have counts.
0: One theory is that William paid a hitman named Dale Stoddard to kill his brother so he would inherit stocks worth over five hundred thousand dollars. After Stoddard killed Richard, he himself was then murdered by William Thorson. After Stoddard demanded more money. But hmm. on june tenth, nineteen
1: seventy. Oh june tenth,
0: nineteen
1: seventy. The same day that Kelly Williams, American television actress, was born, and also Garur Kristini, an Icelandic author of children's book, was born. Yes. In Reykjavik.
0: Yes. That same day. <laughs> oh, on that day he was that. shot dead. William Thorson was shot dead. William
1: Thorson was shot dead.
0: His his killer was his wife, Laura. Thorson had repeatedly attacked his wife with an electric cattle prod and a leather riding whip in the days leading up to his death.
1: Jeez, he deserved it, that fucker.
0: He also forced his wife to write several suicide notes and attempted to force her to take an overdose. Yikes. Louise Thorson was found not guilty at the trial for the murder of her husband on grounds of self-defense. Thank God. for her. William Thorson is certainly an interesting suspect. However, the link to the murder of Valerie Percy seems small. A weapons haul was found by police belonging to Thorson a few months after the murder. Among the weapons were some bayonets, similar to the one found in Lake Michigan. Uh The link also seems a slight stretch, but when you add it to the fact that the bayonet found was never able to be officially linked with the murder in any way, it makes it almost negligible.
1: Mm, I don't agree with that.
0: Another question mark against William Thorson would be motive. What reason would he have for killing Valerie Percy?
1: He probably was trying to hit on her, she wasn't not receptive.
0: Anyway, over 53 years have passed since the murder of Valerie Percy and the case remains unsolved. And this was from, a lot of this was from unsolvedcasebook.com by Adam Bradley.
1: Adam Bradley is a stand-up guy. Yes. Shout out to Adam Bradley y'all. Well, that's cool. That's uh, I mean it's not cool. It's terrible. And tragic and sad.
0: That's an interesting one though.
1: It's yeah, definitely. I never knew it happened, never even heard I of mean, it. I mean, at first that you was...
0: think, Oh, it's the family somebody in the family, but then they found that somebody had broken in for sure. So
1: Yeah. It's weird.
0: It doesn't seem I like... never
1: I never thought it was the family though.
0: Yeah, I guess not. I just always think it's the family because it,
1: Because the John Ramsey thing. Because
0: it usually is, yeah.
1: I don't know if it usually is. I still the jury's still out on the John Ramsey
0: thing, I think. His the brother You think Burke. It was an accident and the parents covered it up.
1: You're probably right.
0: Anyway, that's not nineteen sixty six.
1: No, it's not nineteen sixty six. And it's also not nineteen sixty six now. It's 2020, and we thank you for listening to a podcast about murders. Sorry I talked so much. And pop culture. No, don't be sorry for your voice. It's a lovely voice that we all like. We're all time heads.
0: Thanks, sweetheart. And we
1: like the sound of your voice. What we don't like is my voice. (laughs) If your name is Brent Nelson.
0: It's true. Because
1: I'm an asshole. It's not even funny.
0: Oh, you're funny. Which he's funny. right.
1: He's right now. You're funny, sweetheart. Eh, sometimes. It's hit or miss. He listens it is. to some bad We're up. all hit or miss. There's sometimes where I just don't have it. I just eh, mail it well, in. Yeah, that's I'm all right. I'm just mailing it in sometimes.
0: That's okay, sweetheart. That's what you we know, all it's, do. It's
1: hard to do a weekly podcast.
0: Yeah. You got when you got a job.
1: I do have a job. If this
0: was our job, right? it would be a lot better. That's
1: true. If you would all just send us a million dollars. Also, I have two nipples.
0: Yeah, that's true, too.
1: And... I think that'll bring it... That finishes September. We'll start yep. up in October next yep.
0: time. It sounds good on to On American
1: Timelines on episode 97, then,
0: that'll be? 97. 97. And then that will...
1: Well, maybe we can get 98. We might finish 66. So we might, like... Stop that. I just got an itch on my beard. That was not a sound effect I added. It was actually me itching my beard. Anyway... We love you, listeners. Thank yes, you. Shout out to out Lori here, Vance Barry. again. Lori Vance, uh, we got our first comment through the Queen City Podcast Network. Oh, really? I guess people can leave comments about us because I got some notification that Lori Vance said we're great. Sweet. Um, I actually can tell you exactly what she said. Yep. Lori Vance submitted a form. It, it said, I just got this email. It said, Lori Vance just submitted your form on QCPN, Queen City Podcast Network. Lori Vance. Joe and Amy, I love, in all caps, your podcast. I, too, am a fan of true crime, and Amy picks some good ones. Joe covers Sweet. interesting stuff, too, like music, political, and social issues of the day, and sports. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> but what I love most is the interaction of the two of you while delivering the podcast. Great synergy and highly entertaining. Keep up the great work.
0: Nice. How about Thank that? Thank you.
1: Thank you, Lori Vance. You are great. I happen to work with her husband. Nice. Uh who hates our podcast. Yes, it's true. But all because of me. He yeah. said he would like it if I wasn't on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but I love Kevin Vance anyway cuz he's just he's just one of those nice guys yeah. that uh you just can always talk to like yep. you just like you see him coming I can't not talk to him. He's like that kind of guy. He used to be a House manager and an usher and all that stuff. Lori is a usher too at Bloomfield Performing Arts. All right. Anyway, shout out to Lori Vance. Yes, I to- I awesome. Told, told her the other day she's my favorite listener. And right now she now is he's just
0: pissed everybody off.
1: Right now she's number one because she sent this. So everyone else,
0: yep, go Get ahead, on it.
1: go to the Queen City Podcast Network Get down on site it. and apparently there's a place there where you can put in contact i don't even know how this got to me i don't really know about it but apparently there's a place you can
0: all right you're real informative tonight so anyway
1: <laughs> go to queen city podcast Network.com and let them know that we're the best and maybe they'll give us all their money or something
0: yeah maybe who knows yeah, it's time to get know. out of here chuck get... berry
1: get out of here chuck berry it's time to end this episode Matt truman this was matt truman ego trip is gonna play us out we just tied him in about a 60 hours.
0: All right. I want you to tell me one more time. All right, that's not going to match up with the music at all. So, where's
1: no, that? Let's listen to let's Matt Let's listen Truman. to the real,
0: how a real professional does it, please. Matt
1: Truman really is amazing. Uh, down, go to his music. Uh, it, every, every episode has a link to Matt Truman's Bandcamp site where you can buy his music. It's that's worth right. it. It's worth it. It's real affordable. And it's kick-ass. It's better than any music you can find out there today. That's right. There's no music as good as Matt Truman's that's that you can pay for. And this is affordable. And so, it
0: helps a uh, struggling artist.
1: It helps us. Well, I don't think he's, he's, he's I mean, not struggling, okay. but you he's know what like I mean. He's drowning. Like, yeah, no, he, he shouldn't he, have, to work, he shouldn't have to work a regular He shouldn't have to work a regular job is what I mean. That's he's too talented that. to not be just recording all day long. Like, right. More Matt Truman music could be... They could change the world. They could fix the world. Maybe. Matt Truman. Alright. And his wife Steph is cool too. I was going to play with her a long time ago.
0: Alright.
1: Anyway, shout out to Feces. I them it. They're big dudes. I said we're so tired of <laughs>
0: make me shut my mouth. America America American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at Queen Samantha,
1: Samantha, that's a hickey.